Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Welcome to the Contrarian Investor Podcast. We give voice to those who challenge a prevailing sentiment in global financial markets. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be taken as investment advice. Guests were not compensated for their appearance, nor do they supply payment in order to appear. Individuals on this podcast may hold positions in the securities that are discussed. Listeners are urged to educate themselves and make their own decisions. This podcast episode may have ads and the occasional announcement. To listen without ads or announcements and take advantage of a host of other benefits, consider becoming a premium subscriber. Prices start at $9 per month. Visit the website contrarian.supercast.tech. That's T-E-C-H for more information. Now, here's your host, Mr. Nathaniel E. Baker. This podcast episode was recorded on Wednesday, March 9th and made available to premium subscribers that same day. It was made available without any ads or announcements. So if you want to become a premium subscriber, you can certainly do so. Cost starts around $10 a month. The Supercast link mentioned at the top is one option. Another one is to go to Substack. If you are already a Substack user, that may be the best choice contrarianpod.substack.com and sign up. There are a bunch of benefits, not just getting the podcast earlier, but you also get a daily morning briefing podcast that is sent out by seven o'clock every market day morning. And this goes through the upcoming economic data releases of the day, as well as other stuff that is moving markets that day. Really great stuff. Hope you can join me with it contrarianpod.substack.com or contrarian.supercast.com. Now let's proceed to today's podcast. Enjoy. Here with Brent Kochuba of Spot Gamma, we are going to talk about something that we haven't talked about yet in the three or four years of this, of this podcast, which is options. I mean, it's come up a little bit, but this is very much the center of today's discussion. And Brent has a specialty in the area, but The reason why I wanted to have him on the show is because of this idea that he has that is quite timely right now in light of the the sell-off that we've seen in stocks. And the NASDAQ is in a bear market now, uh, closed there a couple days ago, and the other indexes are in correction. But you, Brent, are bullish, and you have a specific reason for that. So talk to me about that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So first, thanks for uh, having me on for this conversation. I look forward to it. And essentially, the way that we look at markets is that the hedging flows tied to options positions, and these are big flows, options dealers and market makers, their hedging flows, have a lot of impact on the way that stocks and the indices trade. And so when you highlight large expirations, like the one that we have next week, it's a quarterly expiration, that's March 18th, large positions expire, and consequently, the hedging flows 
tied to these large options uh, positions change. If you think about the way the market has been trading as of late, there's a lot of volatility. Uh, things are moving very rapidly. And if you look at most of the put positions in the market, uh, they're all structured right around here where the S&P 500 specifically is trading. So there's just tons of puts on. And that's not ex that's not really surprising. I don't think to anyone listening here as you know, between the FOMC and monetary policy and, and everything going on in Russia, people want hedges, right? On March 18th, we calculate that if you look at it from something we call, we measure as gamma, about 40% of gamma expires on March 18th. So what does that mean? Well, that tells us that roughly uh, a third to a half of the market makers hedging position is going to, uh, to be removed because all these puts are expiring. Now, let me take that sort of one step further and it might help clear it up just a little more here. Nathaniel, if you were to buy a put option right on the market, you go into your interactive broker's account or whatever, and you're going to buy a put. Uh, if I was the dealer or the market maker on the other side, uh, I'm going to sell you that put, right? So I'm short a put, you own that put. Uh, and the way that I hedge myself would be to sell futures or to sell you know, shares of spiders, some way to hedge myself, right? Um, so imagine that is done you know, several million times over that trade. So I'm a dealer, I'm short you know, millions of puts. Uh, or at least hundreds of thousands of puts, right? And then all of a sudden on March 18th, all the puts are gone, right? They expire. I'm going to be sitting there with no more puts, right? Or, or a much smaller put position, but I still have a very large short hedge on, right? So I'm going to buy back a lot of that short hedge. And that that is what we believe will fuel that market higher, right? Uh, the function is just basically like a short cover rally. And so you have this combination. We also have the VIX here at at uh, over just over 30. So, you know, if you were to break that down into an implied move, that's telling you that the options market is pricing in roughly 2% daily moves, which is more or less what we've been getting. Uh, so you have the FOMC next Wednesday. Um, and, and a lot of people are hedging that event, right? How many hikes will we get? What's, what, is, what is the easing? Will there, won't there be easing, et cetera? So that uncertainty is going to come out of the market. I think regardless of whether it's dovish or, or hawkish, right? We're going to know, right? We're going to get a little more information there. Uh, and then coupled with this very large options expiration, which we believe is a short covering event because of those puts are expiring. So okay. that's sort of our lens. Sorry, it was a little uh, verbose there, but that's, no, no, that, that makes, that's the general view. No, I think you explained it well. That makes a lot of sense. Now, just to challenge you on that a little bit, because that's what we do here. So Please. that, okay, so that would remove the the shorts that a lot of the, the dealers have on to hedge their positions. That's and right. so that makes perfect sense from a technical standpoint, why, why the market would rally is they cover those shorts. But this kind of assumes that the market gives them a reason to cover the shorts. And what if, and you mentioned uncertainty, we still have an awful lot of it with Russia. Yeah, the Fed will be removed come Wednesday, although you could also argue they've kind of telegraphed and moved to some extent, whatever, that's another conversation. Mm -hmm. But uh, so, yeah, so specifically with Russia, with commodities, you had this huge move in nickel the other day that yesterday that I think nickel trading is closed now for the rest of the week. So a ton of uncertainty. And yeah. how does that factor into things? Wouldn't that lead the dealers to kind of maybe consider holding on to these hedges or? Yeah. Yeah. So th that's a, that's a very, it's a, it's a wonderful point. And, and, to be clear, most of the work that we focus on is is in the fairly short term. So typically, you know, 30 days out roughly is, is kind of the largest that we look out. But in this situation, what you have is it's a it's a technical reason for short covering, right? On the 18th, which is next Friday, those put options will cease to exist. Um, so, you know, if you, Nathaniel, are a large institution and you have you know, several hundred thousand put options on to hedge your portfolio, those are going to expire, which is going to force you to do something else, right? 
the market makers won't have that position on anymore. They're going to have to cover some shorts or adjust some of their position. And I think you're right in this case where there is a lot of uncertainty. Uh, and so what may happen is you may, um, if you have puts that are expiring, you may now roll those out in time, right? Uh, you may roll them out three or four months and down some uh, down a few strikes, right? So instead of having a, a, a put that expires at the 4,300 strike, right? That's slightly in the money. Now you may buy a 4,000 put that expires another three months out. Uh, it's very common for large institutions to roll their uh, hedges out like that, right? And when you roll your hedges out, you're taking a very expensive put, right? And you're going to buy a cheaper put. And the relative risk of that for a dealer is smaller. So they need less downside hedges. Um, so in, in this case, what you're kind of getting is it's a buyback, right? On the fact that all these positions are expiring. So something has to be done. Again, you, a lot of people are going to roll their exposure, what we say down and out, right? Which is just, again, less risk from a market making perspective. So you could get a you know very violent short-term rally that, you know, fade subsequently over the next, you know, towards the end of 30 days, right? And the other thing that is kind of interesting about the way that the market is positioned now is everybody is very short, right? And one of the things that we've been talking about, I'll just take one quick step back, is that we think that a lot of the hedges were in place in January because of the questions around monetary policy, right? If you think about when the uncertainty started to creep in, you can see credit markets started to move kind of late, uh, late last year. And, and a lot of the selling in stocks happened in January. And people started to, I think, hedge back then in equities, buying puts, you know, sort of six weeks, eight weeks ago. So when the Russian news came out, um, people were already pretty well hedged. And so I think that's sort of kept something of a lid on volatility. You were talking about nickel and, and, and the move index, the, the bond VIX, so to speak, is, is gone, you know, close to March highs, um, oil, metals. It seems like every asset class sort of non-equities has really gone nuts. Whereas in this case, the market, I believe at current levels is up about 3% since the day uh, the Russian invasion officially took place, the day that you know tanks crossed the border. So, so stocks are actually up from that event, uh, strangely enough. Really? Um, yeah. And so, you know, I think that's because the market is well hedged and monetary policy, you know, it's all about what is the Fed going to do? Mm. There's, a, there's a very sad humanitarian toll to this. And I don't want to sound, um, you know, not unaffected by that, but just strictly talking about the, you know, markets themselves. Um, the market is up. And I think if the Fed says, you know, we're, we're not going to raise rates or whatever it may be. I mean, who knows what the rally is going to be, right? But that's going to spark a short covering rally. And, and there's this idea of reflexivity that George Soros made famous, right? In the Bank of England and all that, wherein once the market starts to rally, it squeezes shorts more, right? Volatility comes down. Uh, from our perspective, puts start to lose a lot of value. And as puts lose value, market makers and dealers can buy back more, uh, more of their short hedges. So you get kind of this explosive short rally, something like today, you know, we had a 3% rally on, on kind of nothing, it did the same thing yesterday. And then, you know, that rally faded by the end of the day. So we're just getting these spurts of volatility, but the Fed and the OPEX could really send a multi-day sort of correction uh, higher, you know, kind of back in that 4,500 areas is, is what we're flagging. Very interesting. Yeah. You mentioned today's rally and we are recording this on Wednesday, March 9th, and I'm going to make this available after the close as soon as I can for premium subscribers. So they don't have to wait. So this is all timely. And with options, it is all very timely. Mm. But so we had this rally today, um, which appears to be holding on for now. Crude yep. is falling quite a bit. And this, and this is without any real, at least from what I've seen, any major news yeah. about Russia-Ukraine. I mean, some talk, some talks maybe with Zelensky saying some things, but could this be the start of the short covering? That that is that maybe what is behind this? 
Yeah. So if you if you follow the options market uh, kind of lingo at all, there's really two buzzwords that everyone brings up these days. And, and it's the idea of gamma. Mm-hmm. And the second one is called Vanna. And essentially what those are, are, are metrics to measure options market makers, you know, hedging flow, uh, how big the flow is, right? Sort of quantified and then attempt to assign a direction oftentimes. And gamma, what, what happens is when the market starts to rally in these situations, the way that dealers have to hedge is to buy back shares of stock, right? As the market rises. Uh, but when volatility comes down, when VIX comes down, uh, for example, there's more short covering to uh, to be had from dealers, right? And that's what's called Vanna. Vanna specifically is the change in Delta for a change in implied volatility. All that is a fancy way of saying when the VIX comes down or implied volatility comes down, there's more shorts to cover from a dealer's perspective. Um, so if you think about it, if you own a put, right? And and if you own a put this morning, you probably had a big smile on your face. And then by this afternoon, you know, you're really feeling the pain, right? So the market maker on the other side of that is happy because that short put, he's short that put that's losing a lot of value and able to buy back some shares. And that really exaggerates volatility quite a bit. Um, so, you know, if you just watch the VIX come down, you will see the market drift up with that. And then oftentimes the VIX will turn and start to spike and then stocks will, will sell back off. And that's because as VIX spikes, as implied volatility spikes, there's, you know, dealers have to start shorting again. So it's this trampoline sort of effect. Mm, interesting. Is that why we see bear markets have these uh, rallies at the, at the open and in the intraday before? Yeah, I mean, we believe that's a huge component of it. Um, and, and the other, you know, factor to think about again, another buzzword here is, is this idea of charm. And all charm is is measuring the, he- the the dealer hedging flow tied to time decay. So for those of you who know, look, if you want to put that expires next Friday, every single day now, as we get really close to expiration, your put is losing value, right, because of that time decay. And that time decay accelerates certainly into next Friday. Um, and so that, you know, that's the second sort of of flow. So what you basically get is this, if nothing dramatic enough happens to push the market lower, right? And and the market just sort of pauses, well, time decay starts to kick in, which invokes dealers to start buying back shorts, right? Because puts are losing value with time decay. Volatility starts to come down, which means that, again, dealers can buy some more back. This is the idea of kind of Vanna. And then the third one is, is Gamma. And I know I'm throwing a lot of, of buzzy words at you here, but basically the, the idea is that as the market rises, time passes, it's just a it's just a buyback here, right? Steelers buying back shorts, and that can lead to these extended uh, sh- okay. what we call short covering rallies. Cool. Yeah, we heard about Gamma obviously during the whole uh, GameStop yeah. saga last year. Vanna, um, is, is that a Greek letter? It it is. It is. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm what's sorry, charm? Actually, a group, yeah, and and charm and and you know Van, the Vanna and charm thing have, have just have come up a lot, you know, recently, and and they're. And really, the point of these these terms is to, is just to describe what happens around as implied volatility, or again, you just think about the VIX moves and and time passes. What what do market makers have to do, right? What do dealers have to do? Interesting. Um, and and you know, if you think about the options market just in general, uh, it's had explosive growth, not just in the uh, in single stocks, but across all ETFs, and well over half of the liquidity provided in options is through market makers, right? So if you think about Citadel. Uh, Two Sigma, some of these other big options names. Basically, anytime that you go and buy an option through your interactive brokers or E-Trade or whatever it is, there's there's going to be a market maker or a dealer on the other side of that trade, right? And they most of the time are having to hold that exposure on their book and hedge it, you know, continuously. Um, and so that's all the work that we're trying to do is is measure and monitor this uh, this flow. Now you've seen this movie before, uh, this this Friday expiry 
next Friday's expiry. Um, yeah. Talk, talk to me about that and, and yeah, how, how that played out. Yeah. So there's a lot of evidence for, for major bottoms uh, or these interim bottoms in the markets tied to these big expirations. And, and the most famous of which uh, are December of 2018. So if you remember, that was a really tough year, right? Into the mm. fourth quarter of December, 2018. And there's that, that famous uh, phone call that Mnuchin made to the banks on Christmas Eve day, right? And, and the market put an intraday low in there. Well, that intraday low took place the Friday after options expiration, December year-end options expiration, which is, a, which is a very big options expiration. So all these puts get wiped out. The hedging flows are adjusted on the Monday after, and that was actually the low, right? The same thing happened on the COVID crash of March of 2020. Uh, March 16th was the options expiration. The Monday after is the low in the market, and we rallied very sharply off of that. Um, I have another, you know, several dozen examples that uh, that I could list, but one of the one of the other ones to sort of note, which I think is really interesting, is if you think back to last year, uh, January of 2021, when GameStop, all that other stuff was happening. Uh, there were massive amounts of deep in the money options across tons of stocks. And if you if you think about the Pelosi trader, are you familiar with those, how she likes to buy deep yeah, in the yeah. money puts, right? Well, that that's a famous or, or that's a very well-known strategy, I think, for wealthy individuals in particular. You buy leap options, right? You want some leverage and you want to, and so you buy these long dated options. And 2020 and 2021 had very big years in the market, right? Where there was huge rallies. And so these deep in the money calls. Uh, both last year and this January, um, all expired the third week of January. And boom, we have a ton of volatility after that expiration takes place. Now, last year, we had the GameStop saga and the like. uh, But I think a lot of that volatility just in general was invoked uh, by this big options expiration. If you think about the week that Robinhood almost went belly up and and Melvin Kapp and all that, that's, that's the week right after options expiration. Same thing this past January. Uh, we had the the interim low for January uh, 18th. Remember, the market slid very sharply into that. The Monday after was the low. I believe, actually, that's been the 2022 low so far. We bounced from that date, right? Just that technical date. So those are some big examples as to why we think that, again, we're due, in our view, for a bounce sort of into the FOMC and into that kind of week after. Who's to say from, you know, there's so much going on, you know, two, three, four yeah. months down the road. I don't have as much of a view, but my contrarian view here is that yeah. this options expiration can can uh, can bring a rally here. Very cool. I also wanted to ask you about the what you're seeing as far as we heard a lot about the you know the Robinhood crowd, the GameStop crowd last year, and they've been eerily silent now for quite yeah. a while. Um, are they still active? Is are the volume? It sounds like from what you're saying, the volumes are still pretty elevated. And is this still retail money chasing stuff, or, or what are you seeing? Yeah, so we have a couple of ways to view this, and and the best way is that the uh, the exchanges provide some transactional data, and we can see what people are buying and selling. And so, the the call volume has come off sharply. And what's kind of interesting into the uh, the sort of into the end of January there that retail investors that actually picked up quite a bit in the put buying side. Um, so they had sort of flipped the script a little bit there, uh, but I have to believe sort of just anecdotally that um, you know. People had been rewarded, right, for for consistently buying these out of the money calls, and for you know, really since the pandemic, it was just this feedback loop where you were just constantly rewarded for taking somewhat excessive levered risk uh, using options, and that had paid off really, really well up until all of a sudden it didn't, and it's blown up spectacularly. And, and a lot of those names that were the biggest recipients of this options flow of this levered options flow have uh, been hurt the worst now, right? If you look at you know Shopify. Uh, 
uh, SoFi, mm. uh, you know, AMC has come down quite a bit, still holding up pretty well, all things considered. But all those, you know, major names really have have completely uh, unwound. And I, and I think that that has, has hurt a lot of people. I mean, if you look at Robin Hood's, um, some of the information Robinhood puts out about their, their individual investors, you know, and I kind of view them as, as the riskiest spectrum, right. Yeah. Um, or, or at least the, the, I don't want to sound insulting by saying typically the least sophisticated, right. Uh, but they have tend to have smaller accounts and they've really been hurt. And, and that's one of the problems I think with options is that when your premium goes away, right. If you made the wrong call, you don't own an asset once they yeah. expire, right. If you buy SoFi stock and you're wrong, Maybe I'll hold it for ten years and see what happens, right? Yeah. Uh, but if your calls expire worthless, that that money's gone, right? Yeah, uh, and, yeah. and that's one of the tricky parts of options. Indeed, indeed, and also why it's so hard to make a podcast around options because <laughs> you have the time, the time, you know, the clock is ticking, right? Yeah. All right, Brent, Coach Shuba, I want to take a quick break and come back and ask you some more questions. Great. So uh, everyone stay with us. If you're a premium subscriber, don't go anywhere. You're not going to get the break. If you want to become a premium subscriber, go to the website contrarianpod.substack.com and sign up. We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Contrarian Investor Podcast, where we give voice to those who challenge a prevailing narrative in global financial markets consider becoming a premium subscriber. For $9 a month or less, premium subscribers receive a number of benefits. Podcasts are posted immediately after they're recorded. Transcripts are made available within 24 hours. Premium subscribers get direct access to the host and access to private channels on our Discord server. They also get generous discounts to our virtual conferences and other services. And of course, there are no ads or interruptions. Visit contrarian.supercast.tech for more information. That's contrarian.supercast.tech. All right, welcome back, everybody. Here with Brent Kochuba of Spot Gamma, calling in from Easton, Connecticut, right down the road from me. Right, right. we're close. Yeah, we're very close. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me, this is the segment of the show where we ask our guests to tell us a little bit more about themselves personally, how they got to this stage of their career and such. So take us back and uh, yeah, fill us in. Sure. So um, I graduated with a degree from University of Connecticut and I uh, went to work at Bank of America, basically on the uh, equity on the equity sales desk. And I was in uh, what's called program trading, which is basket trading. From there, I got into uh, electronic trading. Uh, we started building out uh, electronic options routers. So I got really into market structure and that kind of thing. Uh, I then worked at Credit Suisse for uh, for a while. Uh, and then in, I worked for as a broker for an options market maker called Wolverine. So that was about 15 years of sell side experience. And then I went, went to work for a family office, uh, a buy side on the buy side, studying the options market, SPX options market, and trying to tailor some strategies uh, related to uh, trading calls and puts in the S&P. So that, is, that experience is what really led me to build these models, right? I built these models uh, that are now the kind of basis for Spot Gamma. And so for Spot Gamma, what we do is we, every single day, we analyze the options market, how options has shifted around, uh, primarily in the SPX and the uh, NASDAQ, but we also offer a, a data on over 3,000 individual US stocks. And our whole thesis here is that there are times when you can identify where the options hedging flow is large enough to move the underlying security. So we don't think that the options move it, market moves every stock all day long, but our goal is to identify when and where that options flow may be dictating uh, or having a major impact on the way that the underlying equities and indices are moving. 
Hmm. All right. Well, that kind of begs the question: what you're if you're picking up anything today uh, as we record this, be it in indexes or in individual names. Yeah. So in our in our daily sort of subscriber notes, we flag two big areas of open interest, and around this open interest, we believe this is where hedging flows are likely to come into the market. And so uh, those two big areas of open interest today is you know Wednesday the ninth are four thousand. There's at this four thousand strike in the SP five hundred. There's a ton of open interest, and at forty three hundred. In the S&P, there's a lot of open interest. And so at the time of our conversation right now, the S&P is trading at 4278. Uh, yesterday, it rejected off of that level and, and sold off pretty hard. And now we're kind of pushing up against that level as well. Um, and, and what's going to happen now, uh, before we had mentioned the fact that there's just a lot of put open interest, right? There's a lot of people holding those hedges, put hedges. And every day as we march towards the FOMC, those puts are going to start losing value unless something really kind of catastrophic happens to, to make the market drop here. Sick of me yet? Become a premium subscriber and avoid all ads or interruptions. Other benefits as well. Visit contrarian.supercast.tech for more information. Those puts are going to start losing value as we head into FOMC. And then the FOMC is, I think, going to be kind of a, a risk on trigger, right? Because we're going to get some clarity, I think, around monetary policy and I have a hard time believing that it's going to be a hawkish sort of surprise, right? And so just the fact that there's clarity there could could bring, bring a little more risk off, right? Uh, people may be a little more relaxed, and, and that is going to release some more of this hedging flow, bullish hedging flow in the market. Um, so, so that's really what we're watching right now. To the downside, if you look at that positioning, you know, our sort of worst case scenario into next week is... Uh, 4,100 in the SPX. And we write sort of ex extensively about that, but we think that that essentially is a lower bound basically because we're so well hedged that we're going to get down to that level and just there's not going to be any more appetite for downside, right? Unless there's just, again, some real catastrophic event taking place. Uh, but, but our view essentially is that equities are well hedged right now and those hedges are going to start to burn, right? They're going to start to burn off as we march towards uh, next Wednesday and next Friday. Mm, interesting. What about in the commodities market? Are you, do you pay that much attention to that? We don't track the commodities okay. market uh, all that much. Uh, the you know there is a lot of obviously options trading. There's a lot of um, and we think that the issue there is it, it is a different animal, right? From from a lot of the equities. If you look at you know there's a lot of producers that are hedging for reasons outside mm -hmm. of speculation. Um, there are a lot of different margin uh, issues being invoked right now. So that is a that is certainly a trickier market to, to monitor right now. Uh, but if you just think about the idea of convexity in general, um, anytime you're getting these convex moves, right, where you have these explosive jumps, uh, we think a lot of that is driven by options activity. Because anytime that there's a call buyer, be it in oil or you know uh, nickel or you know GameStop, uh, somebody sold that call and is on the other side of that trade, right? And and so when prices start to move up. Um, you get explosive hedging, right? Short covering, basically, that that can allow these assets to go convex, if if that makes mm. sense. Um, so, uh -huh. so you can sort of you can run a similar analysis in commodities, I believe, that you can sure. in equities in terms of figuring out where positions are and, and and convex moves around that. Okay. What about individual names? Anything interesting there that you can report? Yeah, over the last uh, couple of days, you know, really today and yesterday, there was a little bit of a change in flow, and that we saw a lot more short dated calls rush into a lot of single stocks. Um, so if you think about NVIDIA, um, mm -hmm. a lot of the crypto names today were, were sort of popular. Coinbase, Riot, those kinds of names, I think off of the, some of the, uh, Biden had some comments around crypto this morning. Right. Um, and financials were catching a little bit more of a bid. 
And so the, the flow is starting to change here a little bit. I think, you know, over the last several weeks, it's been a lot of call selling in a lot of those single stock names and a lot of just unwinds of positions, longer dated positions. And so what you're seeing now, I think, is some people that are really attention, uh, they're, they're tempted to try to catch a dip, right? Um, and, and using options, in this case, makes a little bit of sense because you have some defined risk. Obviously, if you're buying a call, you know what your downside is, right? And the, and the, the short cover rally that could come could be really quite explosive. I mean, several single stocks are up 5 to 10% today, mm-hmm. and they're really trying to catch this bottom. So the, the complexion of the flow, so to speak, has changed a little bit over the last day that, that people do seem to be buying a little bit more calls. Apple was a big call buying uh, day yesterday. So um, it appears that people are trying to maybe catch a bottom here. Uh-huh. Well, Apple had that event yesterday. It might have had something to do with it. Yeah. yeah and and yeah, yeah uh, th- that's a that's a great point. I mean, you know, Amazon is another one that we've seen just heavy call, call selling and put buying. Both of those are what we call negative delta uh, trades, right? And that means that dealers who are you know, going to end up uh, short, excuse me, long Amazon calls and short puts have to sell stock, right? To sell Amazon stock to stay hedged. And so, you know, as that flow compounds, um, it really can pressure the stocks down, you know, quite a bit uh, as hmm. a result. So as soon as you get that flow switching where people are buying calls and selling puts, you can get, you know, these really uh, large short cover rallies, basically. The issue with short covering, and, and a lot of that is what is taking place now, right? We see and we measure, we have a, a new tool we just launched called Hero, and that measures, it looks at all the trades that are taking place real time every day, and it measures what the hedging impact, the dealer hedging impact is. And so what we can see is on a day like today and a day like yesterday, it is it is the sale of puts that is linked to the market going higher. And and if you think about what dealers are then doing is if people are selling puts, right, they're closing their puts positions, yeah. dealers are, are therefore buying their puts back. Remember that they have a short hedge on, so they're, uh, they're then buying their short hedge back. So it's a short cover rally, right, from, from mm-hmm. dealer's perspective. And the issue, as you know, is with short covering is that those rallies are inherently unstable. The yeah. biggest rallies take place during bear markets, right? Mm-hmm. And that's because it's violent short covering. You have to cover your short rapidly. Um, you have to chase right to cover, and so the resulting the the resulting effect is that when the when you're done covering your short, there's no there's no support underneath, right? And and the market can just drop back down. And so I think that's what leads to a lot of these bounces where you get this flow where there's this you know rapid short cover rally, and and all of a sudden when those shorts are done, you know the momentum fades and and things mean revert. How important is liquidity? Uh, because it sounds like there is still a lot of liquidity, uh, you know, be it from retail or institutions or wherever. Um, yeah, yeah. How, how closely do you watch that? Uh, we watch it very closely in the in the e mini futures is kind of our benchmark for for watching. And what's fascinating about that, if you go to the CME, they have something called a liquidity tool, and mm-hmm. you can look and see what the top of book uh, liquidity is for a variety of different products. But again, we look at the ES, which is the e mini futures, is kind of the benchmark, uh, you know, futures for for equities, and you could see that the liquidity has really dried up going back to no October, November period. So when it became clear that the Fed was going to reduce support, and I don't know exactly how these are linked, but it's just fascinating that that's when sort of there was a shift in monetary policy, the liquidity really dried up. And I think that plays into a lot of this volatility where, particularly in the options market, when there's a lot of volatility, market makers widen their spreads, right? Uh, and futures traders and, and equities, you widen your spreads because you need to get paid more to take that risk, right? I'm going to make you pay an extra five or 10 cents. Uh, you got to, you know, to buy your put option when things are going crazy. 
So that's great for market makers in terms of they're capturing more spread. They're making more money there. Uh, but, but technically that, that removes a little bit of liquidity, right? You have to trade more. Uh, you have to pay more spread to get the, to get your fill, so to speak. And I think that can really, you know, drive obviously volatility. Hmm. Cool. Now, what is your role? Are you Spot Gamma? This is your firm. You started it? Yeah, I'm the founder of Spot nice. Gamma. I started it uh, back in January of 2020. Um, That's well-timed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I had built these options models for a family office and and um, and the pandemic hit. And, yeah. you know, a lot of people, there was a lot of concerns and trying to start a hedge fund uh, in and around that time, you know, was, was a risk that, you know, uh, unfortunately, uh, the investors weren't willing to take. And so uh, I was sitting there with a bunch of these models that, that I had a lot of belief in. And, and uh, so I started to offer them publicly and uh, people started signing up to, to see my daily analysis and to review these models. And, and it's really grown since then. And, mm. you know, it's, it's been a fascinating time to be in the options market, you know, with the mm. GameStop stuff yeah. and the March of the March COVID crash, um, uh -huh. you know, uh, Tesla has been a stock that we, that oh, we yeah. watch a lot uh, and that the options market has a, has a big impact oh. on. And, and so it's really been, uh, fascinating, a fascinating few years there. Yeah, no question. Do you have employees or is it just you? Yeah. So we have about 10 employees, um, a bunch of developers. We have a couple of people trying to help us on content. Um, I have a business partner, uh, named Matt Fox and, and he handles a lot of the, uh, the business end of things. So I can concentrate on, uh, creating new tools and content cool. and analyzing the markets. Very cool. Very cool. They're all, everyone's remote now. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the way that it just yeah. is. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a unique time to be alive, but it, it actually works out pretty well for everybody, you know, where mm -hmm. you can get on zoom these days and, and get oh, done yeah, what yeah. you need. No, to I know. I know that game very well. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, Brent Kuchuba in closing, tell us how we can find out more about you, more about what you offer. Um, yeah. Are you on social media at all? I am. Yeah. So I, oh, cool. I have a pretty good presence on Twitter. You can find right. me at spot gamma. We have a, a YouTube channel as well, where we fun. dive into a lot of okay. topics we discussed and then uh, spotgamma.com is our website. And we have uh, daily, we have subscriptions to get our daily notes. If you're interested in that, that's a, it's a free trial there. So uh, you can come and see what we have to say about the markets, particularly next week should be a really interesting week. Spot Gamma on Twitter has 53,000 followers. And now you have 53,001. I'm joking. <laughs> it's not an exact, I, because I was not following you yet, but now I am. Very cool. And you put out a bunch of stuff. This is awesome. Okay. This whole options world is something that's not very well known to me. Great. So I'll put all that stuff in the show notes. That's great. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you, Brent, for taking the time to come on the Contrarian Investor Podcast. Thank you all for listening. And we look forward to speaking to you again next time. Thank you for listening to the Contrarian Investor Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. To subscribe to this podcast, simply open your favorite podcast software and search for Contrarian Investor. Follow us on social media by searching for Contrarian Investor on Twitter and Instagram. Send us your thoughts on feedback at contrarianpod.com. We look forward to speaking to you again next time. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now, and the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, because we have professional grade supplies for every industry, even hard to find products, and we have same day pickup and next day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.